Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I am your host, Anne Griffith, and I've got the girls together this week. Who needs Russell Myers? Get well soon, Russell. So we'll save talking about um, Prince Andrew and the latest developments in that case next week. We have obviously spoken about that fairly extensively the last two weeks. And um, yes, we will return to it. But in the meantime, I have invited on my good friends, Zoe Forsey and Sarah Bradbury, because there's been a couple of weddings to talk about. There is Zoe's interview with the co-author of Sarah Ferguson's book, uh, which will bring you a little bit later on. And also it's just been too long since I've seen the girls. Sarah, Zoe, lovely to see you. How are you, Sarah? Very well. How are you? Yeah, all good here. Zoe, how has life been, royal life and otherwise, for you the last few months? Oh, it's been good. It's been really nice, actually. We've had some really lovely, you know, lots of lovely news and bits coming out. So, yeah, nice and busy, but good. It's a long time since you and I had our day out at Westminster Abbey, I have to say. But that was that was a really fun day out. And I'm just it trying really to find... Was. So one of our listeners got in touch to say that she had... Um, well, in fact, no, it was the Kensington Palace one. Someone got in touch to say they had been to Kensington Palace while they were dropping off, um, dropping off their daughter for some time in Oxford for a gap year. So best of luck um, in, your, in your semester studying here to our listener's daughter. And um, right, two weddings. I mean... We love a wedding, particularly at the moment. It has been a bit tricky for people trying to get married over the last two years with changing rules and restrictions. And um, yes, a bit of a movable feast and highly stressful for everybody involved. I mean, organising a wedding, normally fairly stressful. Organising a wedding in Corona times, mega stressful. But we've had two delightful occasions over the weekend. One was kind of a... I guess the big day delayed Flora Ogilvie, who, I mean, they actually tied the knot, you know, a year ago, did the formal bit, but came back uh, and had the big family celebration with the big dress, which obviously we're always keen to talk about um, at the weekend. But first, let's talk about um, James Middleton, Kate's, Kate's brother, all three Middleton children now happily married. Yeah, so the Duchess of Cambridge has got a a new sister-in-law, which is really exciting. And as you were saying before, they have, you know, James and his uh, now wife. And firstly, I'm going to apologise for anyone who speaks French for, if I'm about to completely pronounce this wrong, but Elise, uh, his new wife, they had their wedding cancelled twice during the pandemic. So they finally tied the knot at the weekend. Uh, They shared a photo with us and a lovely message. Um, But yeah, it sounds like it was a, a really nice day. Yeah, so the message that James posted, Mr. and Mrs. Middleton, heart, British flag, French flag. Yesterday, I married the love of my life, surrounded by family, friends, and of course, a few dogs in the beautiful village of Bormley Mimosas. I mean, what an amazing name for a place, apart from anything else. It was bugs, fizz all around. Words cannot describe how happy I am and another heart. And it is a very lovely sun-kissed picture. And, you know, I mean, I don't think you'd choose to get married in a cream suit in, in the UK, particularly not with the summer that we've had. But he looks very glorious with his little blue shirt and blue tie. I mean, Sarah mate. But the thing I think that makes is you've got the dog poking her head through um through behind them and yes Elise so what do we what do we know about um do we know much about Elise 
She's a French uh, financial analyst. Uh, the couple have been together uh, since about 2018, we think, and they actually met in a private members club. But you mentioned their love for dogs already, and it was actually a bit of a chance encounter, which is how they met, all, thought, all thanks to their dog, Ella. Um, so James had taken Ella out to a, a very fancy uh, private members club in West London, and Ella was sitting at James's feet, behaving herself, but she went over, had a drink of water, but on the way got a bit distracted by a very beautiful blonde woman who was sitting in the uh, sitting in the corner of the bar and they got chatting. And it was also a bit of a kind of weird moment because when James went over to apologise, Annalise actually thought he was a waiter and just ordered a drink. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, nice, I guess, in terms of she definitely didn't, you know, there was the can't be accused of fancying him because of the royal ties there. So yeah, that's a, a funny and a really cute first meeting story i think oh no that is tremendous so if anybody who's single out there and has a dog you now have a new method of matching like get the dog on the case never mind your your friends trying to set you up with someone just see see the dog fancies and picks out for your partner there's probably a whole new like reality show available on that genre as well never mind all of this married at first sight and love island nonsense and first dates well we have to come up with a name for it anyway anyway glorious um a glorious picture and we believe that um william and kate and the kids went over to join the celebrations along with obviously the rest of the middleton family yeah so we think there were about 50 guests there this obviously their closest family and friends and um, the cambridges were there um, and we also know that it looks like the cambridges did their normal trick where they try not to steal the thunder so they all went for quite a dressed down look we don't know exactly what they were wearing, but we know that Wills um, was in a off-white suit and Kate was rocking a light green long dress, but all quite casual. Um, obviously, George and Charlotte were page boy and bridesmaid for Pippa's wedding, but we don't know yet if they had the honour of doing that this time round. And of course, if they were, Louis might have been involved as well, but we're not entirely sure. But it sounds like it was a really nice casual casual day in the south of France, which is <laughs> sounds great. Maybe we should, maybe, maybe we'll go on tour there. I and mean, I'm sure Chateau Leo, the exclusive vineyard <laughs> where they uh, where they had their celebrations. Um, I mean, I'm I'm sure that would be an ideal ideal venue for a, one of our offsite recordings of Pod Save the Queen. I mean, might be a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Sarah yeah. is looking very. Uh, <laughs> this prospect is very appealing. You has me at mimosa. Yeah. <laughs> Well, apparently it's famous for its uh, for its rosé wine. I'm not a massive fan of rosé, but I think out in some French summer sunshine or late summer sunshine, I could definitely be tempted. Um, we've obviously not got a full-length view of Elise's outfit. We're just kind of teased with the, you know, the, the Instagram square photos. But we, I, I think we can get a sense that she is a very stylish lady just from her shoulders. Take Sarah. What's your? How do you like her look? I mean, obviously she's not an official royal, but she's royal by, I guess, family ties. But I just, you know, how you get some brides who are bridezillas. I feel like she's very much more bride chiller, off the shoulder, <laughs> little bit of lace. We don't know if this is like her evening dress or if this is like the official dress she got married in. Because it's quite hard to tell from this picture where they've just left the venue and they're on their way to the next venue and she's had a quick change. But I can't really tell. But from I just think it just looks really cute. And, like, she's barely wearing any makeup. You can see her natural skin showing through and, like, her freckles. Very much what Megan did with her makeup. Barely anything on the eye. Like, eye, eyebrows are very natural. Just got a little 
sort of pearl earring in. Hair is very messy, but she's very much sticking in with that Southern Eastern French style where it's kind of like laissez-faire and you know, like you just go over the flow. And I feel like it was obviously very hot as well. You can tell by the sun and their beaming smiles. So she's obviously like looking for more like comfort rather than anything else. And I feel like this is one she probably danced the night away in. Well, dressing, dressing for the, the occasion and the weather. And, I mean, she just looks effortlessly chic, doesn't yeah. she? I mean, yeah. this is this is a perennial, I think, what's the word? Complaint and envy of British women anytime they look at French, <laughs> French women wearing any form of clothes. They're just like, how? Although, to be fair, Sarah Bradbury, she looks pretty chic, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> With her ring lights that she puts on. I think I think I'm very jealous. You know, I think some brides really overthink their dress and they have to stick to tradition and wear what well, their mum wants them to wear, or you know, all of that, and like how previous brides from the royal family have been married before. But I think she's kind of just throwing her. I can't remember the phrase. Is that head to the wind or heels to the wind? And thought, no, I'm just going to wear what I want. And really gone so stuck with that. Yeah, southern eastern part of France. Thought, yolo, I'm going to wear a nice little white lacy number. But yeah, I can't wait to see the official pictures. Yeah, so it was nice for like a, you know, almost like a wedding picnic type vibe. Yeah. So. Um, Zoe, how do you like it? Yeah, the same. Absolutely love it. I just, I think so many brides or people I know anyway, like, because they've cancelled their wedding so many times. As Sarah was saying, I think people now just, I just want to do what I want to do. And like I said, the pictures we've seen of her in previous years, we saw her at Lady um, Gabriella Windsor's wedding, where she had the kind of the really cool hat on, the really, as you said, kind of, you know French stylish vibe going on that looks great yeah I'm really looking forward to seeing the pictures I think it'd be great and I think what's lovely as well is James just looks so happy he's got that huge smile on his face and he's very aware that he's got this absolutely gorgeous beautiful bride finally after years of well they got engaged in I think it was September 2019 they got engaged so probably a bit longer than they were hoping to be fiance for Wow. Lots, lots of time together to look forward to. And I have to say, you know, any, the best wedding pictures are always the ones where there are massive smiles and they're the thing that really make, never mind the dress or any of that other stuff. It's like how happy people look on their wedding day is the thing that is always really, really special. So congratulations to James Middleton and Elise Tevenet or Mrs. Mrs. Alice Middleton, as perhaps we will we'll try and de-sheet <laughs> her a little bit. No, so, Mrs. Elise Middleton. So congratulations to them and, and their dogs and uh, all of the family. And I hope they had a lovely celebration. It was a more traditional look, definitely, for the, um, the wedding of Flora Ogilvy to Timothy Vesterberg in London. Um, so celebrating, you know out with with family and what did you think of this dress Sarah big fan I mean it was a Philippa Leapley or Lepley but um obviously still very much sticking with that traditional Victoriana lace you know very very detailed long sleeves but it's still very very chic very like I love the sweetheart neckline I love the traditionalness of it and you know it's very timeless, very elegant, wasn't like floofy or puffy or princessy or massive. It was just so chic. And I love how the veil almost matches the sleeve detail um, and the embroidery, it kind of all ties in together. And then her headpiece was obviously Princess Alexandra's one. Um, and it kind of matched her earrings with the floral and diamond and pearl detail. So yeah, loved it. And also her makeup, again, 
so like basic not basic you know bad but basic as in like very stripped back no heavily smoky eyes not overlining or culling just little little glossy lip very very sweet eye and then just she just looks very happy as well which i love she doesn't like she's too tight or uncomfortable in her dress she she's ready she's ready for a big day this is and uh, she is the first cousin twice removed of the queen because her grandmother is the queen's cousin so and then she's two de- two generations down so that's where you get the the removes from it's all quite complicated when you start kind of going <laughs> i feel like now. we need to insert family tree here but on a podcast you can't do that we need some no. form of diagrams that's right <laughs> so you, you, her grandmother was is the queen's cousin so that's fine okay, um and we saw we, there were a few a few other royals in attendance as well so we saw sophie wessex was there and princess michael of kent was there see flora's family direct family were there as well um any other outfits stand out for you yeah i loved what the countess of wessex sophie was wearing she wore an amelia wickstead which we obviously know is a big designer that the royal family love i mean kate's a huge fan she's worn many of her dresses before but um any massive royal fans out there will actually know that uh, sophie's worn this dress before actually twice uh, once in 2017 at Royal Ascot and then in 2018 at the Tripping of the Colour held at Buckingham, Buckingham Palace. So an outfit repeater just like our lovely Kate Middleton or as we like to call her the Discount Duchess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Amelia Wicksteg counts as discount though, I'm afraid. Well, I mean, she's getting it. a cost per wear. We'll go yeah. with that. Well, it's probably down to like, I don't know, maybe like, I don't know, £300 a wear maybe now. Total, yeah. It's a total bargain. But I mean, um, she looked, yeah, she looked absolutely gorgeous. And I love that she kind of wore like a light baby pink fascinated to match. And that clutch bag is what I think I love the most. It was very cool. It was like raffia embroidered, had the pink in it. And then she wore some like, you know, cheeky strappy stilettos too in a nude. And I just, yeah, I think she looked really chic. I think she looked really, really cool. No, it was a, a, well, a well-dressed wedding. And mm. um it was quite fun. There's some, you know, pictures of her getting out of the car just on the high street, on um, just off Piccadilly. So you've got like, you know, shoe shops and stuff. And I love them. So it's a very London wedding. Yeah, yeah. I love the fact that Russell and Bromley's in the background. Shout out to Russell and Bromley. But um, yeah, I just loved it. So anyway, I think that was my favourite thing about it. Normally, when we see royal weddings, you know, they're they're tucked away, they're in like a private thing. But all the pictures were, you know, there's there's the pub next door, and you know, there must have just been loads of shoppers out and about. Go, you know, as you go and have a little nose and go, hang on, is that you know, Sophie <laughs> Wessex and everyone? But yeah, they did have a. I think that the reception was a bit more formal though. I think they went to the state apartments at St James's Palace, but yeah just walking up the high street you can see the pictures they had all people holding up her dress so it didn't get because obviously i think it was raining because you know london but yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> london and the bridesmaids were very cute as well so we, we always enjoy a little bit of um of royal wedding this some other um happy news which clearly has delighted um britain Probably large parts of the world, less so Canada, sorry, Canada, um, and uh, and the Queen and the Cambridges, definitely. It was a huge success. I'm a Ra- Emma Raducanu at the weekend when, she, I mean, what, what was I doing when I was 18? Definitely not anything as smart as being a world-beating tennis player, rocking up in New York for trying to do some qualifying and ending up winning the whole damn shooting match. Um, so... Kate had sent a message on um, 
on Emma Raducanu's own Instagram page in advance. And then both, the, I mean, the Queen sent a message afterwards saying, I send my congratulations to you on your success in winning the United States Open Tennis Championships. It is a remarkable achievement at such a young age and is testament to your hard work and dedication. I have no doubt your outstanding performance and that of your opponent, Leila Fernandez, will inspire the next generation of tennis players. I send my warmest good wishes to you and your many supporters. Elizabeth R. Um, oh. so it's always, <laughs> always special when the Instagram posts get signed. And the one from the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge was huge. Congratulations, Emma Raducanu, on your stunning performances and historic Grand Slam victory. Incredible. We are all so proud of you. At Leila Hani Tennis, so her opponent, well done on your amazing achievements at this year's US Open. It's been a pleasure to watch. See. So... I've got a theory that clearly what everybody is now hoping for, obviously, because this is what happens. We all just get a bit excited and carried away and winning the US Open when you're 18 isn't enough. And now we want her to, well, I want her obviously to win Wimbledon next year to celebrate the Queen's Jubilee, just like Virginia Wade won Wimbledon in the Queen's Silver Jubilee year many, many, many years ago. But it's because she's so amazing. She can smash it. I totally believe it could happen. But anyway, did you, did you watch it, Zoe? Yes. So well, I watched half of it and then had to get the train home. So I was watching it on my phone, furious that I was missing it. Not missing it, but watching it with bad signal when there were other people on the train that you could hear were watching it. So I was getting a slightly delayed, like, oh, she's got that one and stuff. But what I loved about the Queen's message as well is she didn't wait till the morning, you know, when all the staff were back in again. It was as soon as it was done. So she was definitely up watching it with the rest of us oh well i'm not sure she pressed go on that instagram message herself sorry no but the statement would have come out she would have like no yeah not the post but the actual letter i think she must have been watching it too surely they have to get a sign off or something like that well they must have especially in elizabeth r1 yeah well and that's that's the big deal but yeah exactly planning ahead and embargoes and it means to speak to uh russell this is something that one of our listeners got in touch about previously you know how do how do the royals decide which events they're going to comment on and which ones they aren't because sometimes they comment on disasters and sad things and um and other times they don't so there's there is a, a, a threshold there of, of things but you know sometimes you just want to be part of the joyfulness of of the world so well done to emma radicani and she got to go to the met gala as well sarah i know i mean that must have been an incredibly quick turnaround being like oh congratulations wanna come i mean apparently it cost thirty thousand dollars for just you know just to even go and then to find yeah and then to find someone to then dress you turn it all around and then you just the next thing you know you sit on the steps of the met gala with you know your kendall jenners and your Oh well, Justin Bieber's and the rest of it. it. Yeah. Winning the US Open as a qualifier. I mean, thirty well, grand to her now is nothing. Yeah, <laughs> very true. I mean, I, I reckon she might have got a wild card entry for free just because, like, the amount of love and stuff that would focus that it would help bring to it, sort of outside outside the US. Maybe anyway. Enough of our sideline of tennis. Although it does make a change from football which is what i normally digress to when i'm hanging out <laughs> with russell um so it's a little while ago now it was part of our sort of summer series of features of let's talk to let's talk to various different people and do exciting things oh and i have to say i went to the windsor's um stage show last friday with my husband 
brilliant we laughed we laughed a lot it was excellent oh, excellent i'm glad you enjoyed it. it was great fun it was so good to talk to them as well they were very entertaining so um so yeah i know you i know you're going tonight to so have a lovely time we won't do any spoilers and we did talk about it russell and i did talk about it a little bit last week but i was very pleased to find that his his enjoyment of it was was matched by mine so i hope you have a lovely time tonight um but tell us about your interview with margaret marguerite k who is the co-author of sarah ferguson's romantic novel her heart for a compass it was really exciting catching up with her actually and learning a bit more about the process because i've never how do you co-author a book surely one person sits down and writes it right you know just writes it but she really went over all the details of what the process was like and also what it was like to work with Fergie and um, if her expectations were different to what she actually came across and it sounds like they had a really good time writing it sounds like it was a lot of fun and you know from what Marguerite was saying they're good pals now well sounds like it was a good experience so let's have a listen to your interview then Hello. So we've been talking about Sarah Ferguson's debut novel, Her Heart for a Compass, and I'm now joined by her co-author, Marguerite Kay. Welcome to Pod Save the Queen, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hi there. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. So this must have been a really exciting project for you to work on such an interesting story, but to do that with a former member of the royal family. How did you get involved? Um, well, what happened was uh, my editor at Mills and Boone um, suggested that I might be a good person to work with um, Sarah. Um, and she gave me a call and asked me if I would be interested in working on the project. Um, I've never done anything like this before, <laughs> so I kind of jumped at the idea and I was really excited, but I was also really quite scared because um, <laughs> I say I'd never done anything like that before. Um, so I said, yep, yeah, please put my name forward. And um, what happened was we got together and had a chat. Um, and uh, really what I was concerned about, having got over all the initial excitement, um, <laughs> like, oh my God, what a fabulous idea, what a wonderful project. Um, I kind of came back down to earth a little bit and thought, well, if we're going to be working on this really closely, um, what we need to do is, is to be able to get on. Um, so as far as I was concerned, and it turns out, luckily, as far as um, Sarah was concerned, um, that initial meeting was really just to see whether we, we thought we could work together, whether we liked each other, whether we could be honest with each other. Um, and we took it from there. Um, all these good things happened. I suppose, yeah, that must be so important in this situation to have that relationship where you can kind of say to someone like, oh, I know you really love that idea, but actually, you know, like, and yeah, you, you, to be honest with someone must be really important. Yeah. Yeah, that was absolutely, you've got that absolutely spot on. That was the most important thing for both of us. Um, Sarah had been carrying Lady Margaret as a character around in her head and her heart for so long that she had a very clear vision of what Lady Margaret was going to look like and how she was going to sound, how she was going to behave. Obviously, I was coming into that quite cold um, and it was really important that she could tell me exactly what Lady Margaret was like and that I could then try and help transcribe that onto the page. Um, that was probably one of the most um, difficult things that we did was getting Margaret right from the start. And we did have a few goals at it. And um, you know, we did have and test that relationship out from the start because the first couple of times um, I tried to translate um, I got it wrong um, and Sarah found it quite difficult at first to sort of say, you know, look, this isn't quite right. This is how I am imagining her. Um, so, yeah, our relationship was tested, but luckily we, we, we have a really good and have had from the start a really good understanding of each other. 
um, and did feel we could be honest. So that was good. I suppose that must have been quite nice then as well, if you were both doing it, obviously, Sarah's written books before, but they've been very different to this one. So I guess if you were both going into it quite green to, you know, how it works, that must have been quite nice as well. You both had, you know, you weren't feeling like, oh, well, they know what they're doing. And Yeah, I think we both, I mean, she's worked on books. I've, I've already written quite a lot of books as well. But what we were trying to do was find um, what we call a voice that was a male dang of both of us. So it's not how she's written before. It's not how I've written before. And it's it's doing something um, quite different. It was um, exciting um, because we didn't go by any rule book. We didn't say this is how we didn't look up and see how other people had done this kind of thing before. We sat down and said, again, from that first meeting, let's just do it our way. Let's, I think so. Let's see if they work. If they don't, let's try something else. And that's exactly what we did. Um, and yeah, I think what we've come up with is a process that certainly really works for us, but it was kind of like trial and error over over quite a long period of time. And, and yeah, it was different. Okay, so as you've mentioned briefly, Sarah's said um, that this is a story that she wanted to write for 15 years. Can you tell us a little bit, give us kind of a brief overview of what it's about? Okay, so it's based on a real person who was Lady Margaret Montague Douglas Scott, who was a daughter of the Duke and Duchess of Buccleuch, and who is an ancestor of Sarah's. Um, she comes from, the, the Buccleuchs are an extremely um, famous, well-heeled, influential family from the time and, and indeed still are. Um, but Lady Margaret, very little is known about Lady Margaret. We have got a couple of pictures now. and um, We knew she had red hair. We knew when she was born. We knew when she got married. Um, and she didn't get married till she was 29, which, um, you know, back in the 1860s was quite late for someone from, from her background. But we didn't know any more about her and Sarah hadn't been able to find out very much about her. So what we've done is try to kind of invent um, a kind of coming of age journey story for, for Margaret that fits with her background, that fits with um, the time, but also kind of um, imagining what kind of person would a, a young woman be who would resist being married off? What what kind of person would she be? Why would she resist marrying off? What 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 was it she would want from life? And the book is about Margaret's kind of coming of age, um, sort of emotionally. It's about Margaret going from nineteen to twenty nine, um, learning to be herself, having the courage to be herself, and kind of looking for purpose in life that's beyond simply being married off and producing the next generation in our family and um, so that's what the book's about it's it's got romance in it and um, it is literally a journey as well as an emotional journey so margaret starts out in um edinburgh she goes to london and um, she moves from london on to ireland on to new york and then comes back full circle round to scotland in the end and so it's a literal journey and it is an emotional journey and there is a happy ever after. I don't think I'm giving away too much. <laughs> but it's a surprising happy ever after, I think. So obviously you this, you know, you went into this project with such a high profile person. What did you know about Sarah before you started working with her? What what were you expecting on that first day? <laughs> Um, well, I'll be honest, I didn't know very much about her. Um, I don't really follow the royal family um, and I, I deliberately didn't look anything up about her. I mean, I knew who she was and I knew she'd been married and I knew she had two daughters. That's pretty much all I knew. Um, and I decided when I, I, I agreed to kind of go forward with the project that I didn't want to know more and that I wanted to make my mind up myself. 
Um, I wanted to see her just as a person in her own right, as a as a co-author. Um, so I didn't I didn't look her up. Um, so as a result, the person I know is purely and 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 the friend that she's become is is based purely on my experience of her. And I continue not to follow anything about her in the press. I like to just know Sarah um, through myself and and our relationship. Um, so, and what was she like to work with? Um, fun. <laughs> I'd say more than anything. And you know, that, I think that's probably the thing that surprised me more than anything. She is such a fun person. Um, we had such a laugh um, writing the book. I mean, obviously it was hard work and we took it seriously as well, but primarily we we, we, we looked forward to working together when we, we had our many, many, many phone calls and emails <laughs> and WhatsApps and Zooms. Um, it was good fun, We looked, which is why we've become such good friends as well as, as writing together. Um, she's, she's a very perceptive person. She doesn't let you away with, if she says to you, how are you? And you go, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. She goes, no, you're not. Um, <laughs> no. Um, she, she, she knows, she's, she's a very good people reader. And I think that was another thing that really surprised me um, right from the first time I met her. Um, because almost you know, within half an hour or so of, of first meeting her, I was thinking, I really want to do this. I really, really want to work on it. But I was also kind of saying to myself, right, okay, you know, take a step back. You need to go away and think about it. And she actually said to me the first time we met, you know, what's wrong? Why aren't you saying yes to this? Why? I can see you want to say yes. Why aren't you saying yes? And I was thinking I was being quite old-faced. And of course, she could she could read me. That's, that, she's very good at that. Um She's that's really such good an important fun. skill, isn't it? That's such it a, is, yeah. it's incredible. And and she's whether it's on the phone or whether it's face to face, it's something I so admire. And it's the, I think it's something that comes through in her writing. Um the characters that are in the book have such emotional depth. Um and and so much of that comes from her, you know, to say, okay here's the situation with Lady Margaret, here's what's happened in the past, here's where she is now, how do you think she feels? And she she gets into the part, she sees Margaret or whatever character we happen to be talking about and, and really gets into their head and says, okay, here's where they are, here's what they can smell, here's how they're feeling, you know, and and, and that really, I think, gives, a, a, as I say, a real kind of depth to the characters that are in the book. Brilliant. So... She said in a couple of her interviews as well that there are several parallels between herself and the character of Lady Margaret. Did you spot any of those working so closely <laughs> with her? Well, I think, um, first of all, I would say any writer puts real life into their books. They don't have characters on the page that are like, I wouldn't write a character that was my sister, for example, but I definitely have characters in my book have traits um, from people I know. So you can't help but when you're a writer to kind of incorporate, you know, what you know. Um, but certainly there are things um, in Margaret. She's quite impetuous. Um, she's very inquiring. She asks questions that sometimes people wouldn't ask. She's not afraid to um, say, I don't understand this. I don't know this. Can you explain? And I think that's something a lot of people are quite reticent about. Margaret doesn't do that and Sarah doesn't do that. If she doesn't understand something or she wants to know more, she's very inquiring. She'll say, tell me more, explain more of this. Um, so that is definitely a, a kind of trait they share. Um, to say she's inquiring, I think she's very... Um, she wants to have... She wants to do something with her life. Um, Margaret 
Margaret in the book doesn't want to just be someone who's married off for the sake of her family. She wants to have a point and she wants to do something with with her position and, and with the influence she has. She finally does recognise in the book that she's got influence and she can use it in a positive way. I think that is definitely something that Sarah does um, in one of the things that I've learned about her that I didn't know before is just the scope of, of the sheer amount of work that she does in, in all her various charities. She just never stops and she's she's quite a force to be reckoned with. I think Margaret, well, do, do, to be honest, I don't think Margaret lives up to Sarah in that sense. Um, so um, the other things I think in terms of her life, um, Margaret's life and Sarah's life, I think it's up to readers to make their own mind up about those parallels. I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's right. Because I think, like I said, lots of people have read it, you know, have read it already, have got it, but there's still lots of people out there. So yeah, we want to avoid any spoilers because yeah. we'll get in all sorts of trouble if we ruin it for anyone. Um, so you were, you were both co-authors on the book. Um, I've always been really interested in how the process you know, or what the process is when two people write together. And I guess it's probably quite different for everyone, but how did it work for you, um, you and Sarah? Yeah, I think, again, I think I have no idea how other people work. I can only speak for the, the way that we evolved. Um, we did start, Sarah did have a story, an outline story, and she had some main characters and she knew the journey that Margaret wanted to go on. Um, but we kind of, Apart from that, started very much with um, a clean slate. Um, she had the opening scene in her head. Um, we wanted something quite dramatic, um, and we, we 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 came up with that. But um, how we worked together was really more. I kind of just a lot of a lot of talk, a lot of me taking notes, a lot of us working through detail, whether it was on a, a wide scale whether it was like here's here's the whole next three chapters or where here's the detail of this particular paragraph or here's where we want this character to go a lot of it was was talking and um, kind of playing to our strengths she's got a very um kind of cinematic way of seeing the book she can describe things as, as exactly as if as if it's on film and um, my talent is kind of sort of putting that down if you like and, and kind of um, transcribing that into a narrative um, but it was very fluid and we were involved in every single aspect of it working together we genuinely are co-authors so all the scenes all the chapters the, the book the whole journey of the book is is the result of something that we've worked on together but right down to the, the nitty-gritty Sarah's got a real eye for detail um not in this book, but in the, the other book that we're working on now. Um, one of the oh. scenes I had in... <laughs> teasing us now. <laughs> yes, I am teasing you. Um, I had one of the characters, um, a man, he was he was kind of like really uptight and worried and he, he, he bent a silver fork um, back into it. And she said, you can't do that with sterling silver. You just, it's not, you, you, you can't, you're not strong enough to do that. So it's just a silly wee thing, but like her eye for detail. And her eye for the kind of like broad sweep of the book, if you like. Um, I think that's it's it's built into all of it. 
Oh, it sounds really interesting. It sounds like you guys were, you know, a really great partnership together. And yeah. um, so, obviously, the book's been out for a few weeks now, and the reviews are in. Uh, best-selling author Jeffrey Archer said, "A brilliant and glittering jewel of a novel, replete with fascinating historic detail, lush lyrical language, and compelling and complex characters who leap from the page." So that's quite a review. I'll take that. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and what other feedback have you had from people that have read it? Um, I haven't really read the reviews. I, I, I don't tend to read reviews. Um, I just don't. I just find it, I, I, I'd rather not. <laughs> I have had a lot of feedback from friends and family. Obviously, that's going to be really positive. Um, I have seen some lovely things on Twitter from people just saying, you know, they've been really surprised. Um, it's been exciting. It's it's not been the ending they've expected. I like I like the surprise element of it. There's been there was a lovely photo on Twitter um, the other day of a couple, um, a husband and wife, and they they were each sitting on a couch and they each had a copy of the book, which I thought was <laughs> fabulous. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think even my family who have read quite, or my sisters, for example, who have read quite a lot of my own work, have been very surprised by this because it's so different. Um, so although they can see elements of me in there they can see that it's not me um so yeah I think I like to surprise people and that's 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 been one of the nice things yeah fantastic lovely well so for any of our listeners who haven't uh, managed to pick up a copy yet head out it's available in pretty much all bookshops I think you can get it on Amazon as well so her heart for a compass and thank you so much for joining us today it's been really lovely to chat to you thank you so much for having me Well, thank you, Zoe, for doing that one and for the other um, interviews and things that you did in our in our summer series. We have still got a few bits and pieces in the, in producer Dan's filing cabinet for that we can pull back out. And we've enjoyed we enjoyed doing them so much. I think you know we are going to try to carry on making sure we make space and time in our schedule for people people other than Russell. As much as we love to hear him <laughs> on a regular basis, it's it's always so nice to hear different perspectives. Um, and it's been lovely to hear your perspectives today, Sarah and Zoe, and to catch up with you and see your lovely smiley faces. It's always a delight. Um, and listeners, thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back next week. Hopefully Russell will have got his voice back and we can uh, update in the latest on the hide-and-seek with Prince Andrew and other things that are happening. Um, so royal events, the, the royals are definitely starting to come back out for things other than weddings as well. So we'll have lots to catch up on next week, I am sure. But until then, stay safe, stay well. And until next time. Lord save the Queen!